I'd have got shot. I'd have been the worst father of all time if that would have happened, amen? Amen. See you, Eli. <laughs> Didn't even get a wave. Amen. What did he say? <laughs> yeah, he'd have been the first one to attack me if I had missed that. He'd have got me good. Amen. What a blessing. Anyway, I always place all the, uh, all the weight for success, uh, all the weight for making change in the family squarely on the shoulders of the father or of the husband. And for good reason, and I pray that today you're going to find out what that reason is. But to begin with, to begin with um, I want to share a little excerpt from one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, this is a book that's entitled Fatherhood from Bill Cosby. And in the book, Fatherhood, Bill Cosby tells us the difference between Mother's Day and Father's Day. He says that Mother's Day is a much bigger deal because mothers are more organized. You see, mothers say this to their children. Now, here's a list of what I want. Go get the money from your father, and you surprise me on Mother's Day. You go do that for me, okay? But then on Father's Day, Bill Cosby says, I give each one of my five kids $20 so that they can go out and buy me a present. That's a total of 100 bucks. They collectively go to the store and they buy collectively two packages of underwear. Underwear that costs $5 a pack and there are three pair of drawers per pack. They tear the pack open, and each child wraps an individual pair of drawers, and the sixth pair of underwear goes to the Salvation Army. Therefore, on Father's Day, I'm walking around with new underwear and $90 worth of my change in my kid's pocket. That, my friend, is the difference between Mother's Day and Father's Day. Now, Father's Day is not technically a religious holiday. However, it is a day to recognize our fathers. To recognize our fathers. But what I'm going to do today is I'm going to remind our fathers. I'm going to remind our fathers of God's call on their life, not only as a dad, but as a man of God. In Joshua chapter 24, men of God are called to recognize that our one and only Jehovah God has absolute control of everything. And so as you're turning to Joshua chapter 24 in your Bible, I want to share with you a short and snappy summary of the first verses. But while I'm sharing this, I want you to be noticing a common thread in all of these verses. Are you ready? Say amen. Amen. Joshua gathered all the leaders and the people of Israel together, and he said, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I took your father Abraham, I led him through the land of Canaan, I multiplied his descendants, and I gave him Isaac. To Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau, I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. 
Also, I sent Moses and Aaron. I plagued Egypt. Afterward, I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time, and I brought you into the land of the Amorites, but I gave them into your hand. I destroyed them before you. Then your enemy Balak sent a sorcerer, Balaam, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore, he continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hand, and then you went over the Jordan River into Jericho, and their men and all of the Ite brothers, amen, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, but I delivered them into your hand. I have given you a land that you did not labor for, and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Did you hear the common thread? God says, I am responsible. I'm the man with the plan. I am responsible. I am the only one that you can trust with all of these things in your life. Now let's read directly from the scriptures beginning in verse 14 through 18. Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and back in Egypt. Serve the Lord! Exclamation point. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether it's the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us up and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage, who did great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites, who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Friend, God works according to his eternal purposes, and there is not a man alive that can stop him. We know that, that nobody can hinder the work of God. However, you men, you men who have been dads, you men who are now dads, you men who someday will become Dads need to know that God calls you to be a man of God. He calls you to be his man in the realm of which you have influenced. He calls you to be a man of God in your family. He calls you to be a man of God at your place of work. He calls you to be a man of God when you're out fishing with your buddies. In all the areas that you have influenced, he calls you to be a man of God. So listen up, guys. God is calling you today. 
He's calling you today, and he's issuing you a call. And the first call he's issuing you is a call to dedication. Look there in verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods that your father served. Serve the Lord instead. A call to dedication. It's been said that being totally dedicated to God involves three things. If you're going to be dedicated to God, you've got to do three things. You've got to be, you've got to do, and you've got to suffer. You've got to be what God wants you to be, you've got to be doing what God wants you to do, and you've got to suffer the consequences, whatever the case might be. Men of God must be willing to be. Men of God must be willing to do and be willing to suffer all that God requires for the rest of your life without holding back, trusting only in his strength. He issued the call, not me. Men of God are called to be faithful and true witnesses knowing that they're going to have to demonstrate for the rest of their lives what God has called them to be. What will they have to demonstrate? What will these men of God be called to demonstrate? First of all, God will call you to participate in worship. Did you hear what verse 14 said? Fear the Lord. Does that mean be scared of him? Absolutely not. Does it mean revere him with all your heart? Absolutely. Fear the Lord. I read about one young fellow that was attending church, and after Sunday... He got down with his father on, his, on the bedside and began to pray. And he said, dear God, we had such a great time in church today. Sure wish you had been there. As humorous as that is, as funny as that might be, it's sad. And I fear that there are far too many Sundays where we come to this place out of habit. Where we don't come to this place to participate in worship. Where we don't come to this place to honor and exalt our creator, our sustainer, our protector, our deliverer, our healer, our redeemer, our comforter, our friend. We don't come here to honor our father. Every day, every Sunday should be Father's Day, amen? Especially if you're a man of God called to participate in worship. You know, if we don't come to worship God in spirit and in truth, really, what is the use of coming to this place? That's the only reason we come, is to celebrate Father's Day. Amen? The Lord's Day. Men of God, your heavenly Father calls you to participate in worship. But he also calls you to personal commitment. In verse 14, he said, serve him with all sincerity and truth. A gentleman named Al Maxi tells about this brother in Christ who lives in Nigeria. This fellow Christian of ours is a man who is badly deformed. He's so deformed he can't walk. His legs from the knees down are almost completely withered. They're absolutely useless. Unable to walk, unable to afford transportation, this man in Nigeria crawls to church. 
He crawls to church, y'all. Here is a man who is so committed that he will crawl to church so that he can bring his Bible. He balances his Bible on his head while he crawls. And when that doesn't work, he just lays it on the ground and just pushes it in front of him as he crawls to church. Here's a man who knows the value of personal commitment to the Lord. Here is a man who says, when the people of God meet to worship, I'm going to be there. When God's people gather, I want to be there. No matter what it takes. While his legs are impaired, his personal commitment is unimpaired. He proves himself to be reliable, faithful, no matter what life throws his way. Men of God, listen up. God calls you to the same level of personal commitment as he calls this man. But it's not only a call to personal commitment, it is also a call that we receive as men of God to prevent idolatry. Joshua said, put away the gods. Put away the gods. Now there are a great many things that people in this world will worship. There are people that will worship uh, money. They'll worship their pride. They'll worship their time. They'll worship their possessions. They'll worship their own selfish desires. And God calls this idol worship. And you know what he says to you if this is a problem you have? He says, put away the gods. Enough is enough. Put away the gods. You know what they are. Put away the gods. But something else I've noticed is that some people call adultery a meaningful relationship. Ever heard that? Some excuse greed by calling it to have good sense with money. Some call a life of lustful pleasure living life with gusto. Some people call telling a lie little and white. But is sin justified just because we call it a different name? Does God care what you call it? He knows it's sin, and friend, you know it's sin. Wish we had, we got some of our kids left. We talked about sin. Hey, Lacey, what is sin? Stand up. Say it real loud for the whole world to hear. Thank you, angel. What is sin? Disobeying God. From the mouth of babes, let that lesson fall on your heart. You are called, men, to prevent idolatry in whatever shape, form, or fashion that shows its ugly face. Sin is not justified just because we call it a different name. Abraham Lincoln once asked, how many legs does a cow have? Titus, how many legs does a cow have? Very good. 
if I called the cow's tail a leg, how many legs would it have? Five. You know what Abraham Lincoln said? Abraham Lincoln said, no. Just because you call the tail a leg doesn't make it a leg. Amen? I didn't mean to track you that way, brother. Hey, I got it too, okay? It happened to me first. Choosing anything or anyone over God is idolatry, and idolatry is sin. What is sin, Lacey? Disobeying God. Amen. Amen. Do we think, friends, that sin is not sin just because we don't call it by the right name? You know what it is, and so does your God. But let me tell you something. Choosy fathers always choose Jesus. Something else that God calls you to do is produce fruit. Notice at the end there in verse 14, Joshua tells God's men to serve the Lord. To serve the Lord. The work of the church, the work of the Christian is to produce fruit. That's what we're called to do. We're called to serve our master, giving our all, and be used to make and teach disciples. That's what God's men do. That's what men of God do. So if you're not doing that, I want to encourage you to analyze and examine yourselves to see how you need to brush up in that area. Because there's so many people that think that producing fruit is not their job. But Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And when I chose you, I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit shall remain. But so many people think that bearing fruit is somebody else's job. You ever heard the story about somebody else? There's a clever young guy named somebody else. There ain't nothing this guy can't do. He's busy from morning till way late at night just substituting for you. You're asked to do this or you're asked to do that. And what is your ready reply? Get somebody else to do that job. He can do it much better than I. So much to do in this weary old world. So much and so workers so few. And somebody else, all weary and worn, is still substituting for you. So the next time that you're asked to do something worthwhile, just give this ready reply. If somebody else can give time and support, oh God, most certainly can I. Don't always be pointing to somebody else. Men of God. We are called to participate in worship. We're called to personal commitment. We're called to prevent idolatry. And we're called to produce fruit. It's straight from the Bible. It's what God calls you to do. And it's your choice. But choosy fathers always choose Jesus. Not only is this call to dedication imperative, but there's also a call to decision. I'll look at verse 15 with me again. Joshua said to the men of God, If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose yourselves this day whom you will serve. What is God saying here? He said it another way in Luke chapter 16. God said this, No servant can have two masters. For either he will hate the one 
and love the other, or he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and the world. How many of you know that this world is filled with sin? There's a lot of sin in this world. What is God saying here? He's saying to waver back and forth between the world and God is a recipe for disaster. Listen to what John wrote in 1 John 2.17. He said, the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Let me ask you some questions. Would it be of any use to you to deposit all your money in a bank that's going bankrupt? Would that be of any use to you? Would it be of any use to you to build a house on a cracked foundation? No. Would it be of any use to you whatsoever to rearrange the furniture as the Titanic was going down? None. Yet that's what people try to do. They try to redesign, reallocate their, their works and their lives on broken foundations. God says you can't do both. You can't do it. You just can't do it. So there is that call to decision, but friends, it's an individual decision. In verse 15, Joshua said, choose for yourselves. Choose for yourselves. Now, I know that there's two sides to every question, but it's, there's just two sides to flypaper too. Amen? On one side of flypaper, the fly will live. On the other side of the flypaper, the fly will die. In Romans 6.16, Paul asks, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves, the slaves, to obey? That's whose slave you are. Are you a slave of the world, of sin, leading to death? Or are you a slave to God, to obedience, that leads to righteousness? You see, you're either one or the other. You can't be both. It's plain and simple. Yielding to sin, yielding to the world, makes us servants of the world. But yielding to God makes us servants of God. Fathers, men of God, the choice before you is clear. Choose Jesus and choose life, or choose the world and choose death. And when you choose, when you make your choice, here's what happens. You put away the other one. When you choose God, you put away the world. When you choose righteousness, you put away the sin. You put it away. There is no such thing as offering one hand to God and the other hand to the world. There is no such thing as giving the hand of sacrifice to Christ and then give the other hand to the greed of the world. Friend, there is no such thing as following Jesus at home and following the world at work. There's no such thing. So whether you like it or not, your life is to become one piece. Same at church on Sunday morning as it is at work on Monday morning. One piece. And it's your decision. 
You make the choice. But just be sure that you understand it's a very important decision. Did you hear what Joshua said? But as for me and my house, as for me and my family, you see, your decision to serve God impacts far more than your own life. Men of God, your decision to follow God affects your wife. Your decision to follow God affects your children. It affects your children's spouses. It affects your grandchildren and their spouses. Men of God, your decision to follow God, to be a man of God, affects your nieces and nephews. It affects your co-workers. It affects your fellow church members. It affects so much more than just you. All of those lives are affected by your decision. By your decision to be a man who loves God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. To truly make God number one. So a careful man I ought to be. For there's a little chap who's following me. I do not dare to go astray for fear he'll go the same, same way. I cannot once escape his ways, his eyes. Whatever he sees me do, he tries. Like me, he says he's going to be that little chap who follows me. He thinks that I am good and fine, believes in every work of mine. The vile in me, he must not see that little chap who follows me. I must remember as I go through summer sun and winter snow, I'm building for the years to be that little chap who follows me. God issues these men of God a call to dedication and a call to decision. But he also issues a call to devotion. Let's read in verse 16. So the people answered. They answered Joshua and they said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For, our, for the Lord our God is he who brought us up and our fathers up from the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people who we passed through. And the Lord drove out from before us all those people including the Amorites who dwell in the land. No, Joshua, we also will serve the Lord, for he is God. You see, every man will give an account of himself to God. You hear that, man? Every man will give an account of himself to God. To serve the Lord implies that you are making him your master. He's it. He's the boss. So who do you serve? Self or Christ? Who's your master? Self or Christ? What you need to know is this call, this call to devotion, it's a call of definite surrender. 
In verse 16, the people said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord. See, after being reminded of all the past goodness of God, these people were persuaded to surrender their lives to God. So, men of God, has God been good to you? Give me an amen, men. How was that last breath of air you breathed? Pretty good? How was breakfast this morning? Or how good will lunch be? I see all you guys woke up this morning. Sleep good, did you? Glory to God, I see that you're here to praise Him and to thank Him for all of His blessings to you. Far be it from us not to completely surrender to God after all He's done for us. Far be it from me to not completely surrender my all to Him. Men, God issues you a call to definite surrender. But He also wants you to know it's a call to a very deserving Savior. In verse 18, the people said, We also will serve the Lord, for He is God. Shouldn't the memory of what Christ did for us on the cross somehow impact our lives? Shouldn't the victory that He won for us over sin, over the world, and over Satan have some impact on us that we would yield ourselves to the Lord God Almighty? After all, we're not our own. Isn't that right, men of God? We're not our own. We were bought with a price. And we ought to glorify God with our bodies. Why? Because we are His. We are His. We are His. Fathers, today, choose for yourselves whom you and your house will serve. But it all begins with you. Choosy fathers choose Jesus. So for all you men that have been dads, who are now dads, or someday will be dads, God is calling you today to take a stand and be the man of God He's called you to be. He's calling you in this invitation to dedicate yourself, to recommit yourself to dedication to make that decision for yourself, but also to devote yourself. See, there are a lot of men who have made a decision for God, a decision to become a man of God, but they failed on the devotion side of it all. And when their children or their spiritual children in the church look up at them, they say, I see a man who calls himself a man of God, but that man of God's not devoted or dedicated to the Lord that he claims to serve. So today, 
Father's Day 2014, I can't think of a better opportunity to recommit yourself as a man of God, both in word and in deed. In proclamation and in dedication. So after I pray, Miss Wendy's going to lead us in a song. If the Lord has touched you like he touched me this week to recommit yourself to dedication, to decision, and to devotion, why don't we just come on up here and pray together? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we praise you. That's why we're here. We honor and exalt you, Lord. That's why we're here. But Father, we ask you to do a supernatural work in us that we cannot do for ourselves. We want to be the men of God you've called us to be. But Lord, we know that you're just as ready to use us for your glory as we are to surrender ourselves to be used. Lord, I for one want to recommit myself to utter de dedication, making a fresh decision for me and my family, and to let that decision be seen by my devotion to you. Father, if there are others here today that need that same recommitment, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd speak to them like you spoke to me this week. Father, for that one who says, Boy, I sure would like to have the direction God gives. I'd love to become a man of God. I look on my life and I know I'm not. Let that man know that he can become a man of God today by standing for Christ, giving himself to the Lord Jesus, humbling himself, and making a decision for he and his family. Father, this offer of invitation extends to all of our wonderful ladies as well. Lord, whatever decision needs to be made today, we pray that you would encourage us to make those decisions that will transform themselves into action. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for Jesus that was crucified, buried, and raised again three days later. Father, it's our trust and belief in that that causes us to be men of God. Lord, we love you today, and we praise you. We exalt you above everything else in our life. You're it. You're the boss. You're our master. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen.